God's word today for your encouragement, for your strength for another week, living out your faith in him. So this is a sermon series that we've been doing during Epiphany on 2nd and 3rd John. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to finish it today looking at uh, the rest of the verses of 3rd John. I heard a quote this week at our GROW conference that we held in Houston. I guess we're getting the volume adjusted right there, Andrew. Uh, we heard in Houston a pastor said, Five minutes after you die... Nothing you accomplish on this earth will matter for you at all. I thought, what a uh, cleansing statement. Five minutes after you die, nothing that you accomplished on this earth will matter for you at all. Without having, um, I'm about to turn it off, Andrew. (laughs) Without having, I could just whisper and you could hear it in the bathroom. Without having salvation, uh, life is a dead end, and it's totally meaningless. Um, we know that. That's why we're here. That's why we're Christians. That's why we believe in the Christ. That's why John the Apostle wrote the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, the fourth Gospel, was written while John was a very old man. All his works... The gospel, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the letters and Revelation were written when he was 80 or above in age. All the other apostles had died. They'd been martyred. And John wrote his gospel because people were saying some things about Jesus Christ that weren't true. They said he didn't bring salvation. He brought a way for you to save yourself. They said he was a mystic, a man that taught you how to have a greater spiritual knowledge. And John had been with Jesus and he knew that Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So he wrote that, that Jesus said that in his gospel, John chapter 3. And he said two or three times in the gospel, he said, I am writing this work so that by reading my words, you would know the Christ and know that you have eternal life. And it is his epic work. On the other hand, 3 John, not John 3, but 3 John, the little letter, 3 John, which takes up only a half of a page, maybe a third of a page in your Bible, has been said to be the least significant book in the whole Bible. And that's probably an accurate statement. But I would rather be the least significant book in the Bible than the most significant book on the face of the planet outside the Bible. It's still very significant. But this is how 3 John is significant, and we've been showing you for a few weeks now. Third John teaches you that once you have salvation and you have the Christ living in your heart, that this is how you're going to live your life. It was written by John to a guy named Gaius. I think Gaius is a really cool name, but I haven't seen one Christian choose that as a name for their baby yet. I'd like to, I guess it just doesn't have a ring to it. I'm trying to imagine yelling at your kid on the soccer field, Gaius! But Gaius was a godly man, and he, was, he, he had a place in John's heart. And so John wrote him a letter. It's called Third John. We don't know where Gaius was. We think Gaius was somewhere in Turkey. Today, call, you call it Turkey, Asia Minor. And we think that John was in Ephesus because all the other things we know about John's travels from the Bible. John wrote Gaius a letter. 
you couldn't send it by the mail. I dropped a letter off in the mail on the way to church this morning. There was none of that. You had to send it in the hands of someone you trusted if you weren't going to take it yourself. So, John sent it in the hands of a guy named Demetrius. I haven't seen anybody name their kid that either. Demetrius. Although John says in this letter he's a pretty significant person. There was a bad guy in the city where Gaius lived who was in the church. And he didn't really believe in the real Christ. And he, was, he had the reins. He was in control of that little group of people that Gaius was a part of. His name was Diotrephes. So now we've got four guys. John wrote his letter to Gaius. He sent it by Demetrius. And a bad guy he talks about is Diotrephes. All of this is just all packed in this little letter. And here's the deal. John is telling Gaius how to follow Jesus when he has to live around a guy like Diotrephes in a really bad situation. And that's what makes it so valuable and significant and important. It's, it's street-level Christianity applied to the Christian life 101. And I see five things, if I am reading it right, and I believe I am, five things that John is guiding Gaius through that we're going to look at for us, and I'm going to try to move through them quickly enough so it won't make it longer than normal for you, but it will be enough to feed your soul and give you something to think about this week. So the first thing John says is Diotrephes shows his lack of spiritual life because he always wants to be first, and Christians don't want to be first. Okay? So look at, let's look at this first verse. You can read it with me. That'll keep you engaged. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. That letter that he wrote to the church is 2 John, which we've been also preaching out of these four or five weeks. So you've heard about that letter. He said, Diotrephes, who loves to be first. When I hear loves to be first, this is the picture I get in my head. And I bet some of you have similar pictures. High school, South Garland, where I went. Lunchtime. They had A lunch, B lunch, and C lunch, depending on whatever lunch you were in, right? When the bell rang for that lunch and your, your classroom was ready to go, the boys in high school, and I was one of them, would sling the door open. I can remember hearing doors hit the lockers, you know, on the outside in the hallway, and run to the cafeteria to get first in line. And there was, you know, every day, everybody got lunch. But I was just as competitive as the rest, and I wanted to be first or second or third and get my burger or whatever it was. And there were injuries going around corners, and there were detentions for running in the hallway to go to lunch. And I served a couple of them. Wants to be first. Diotrephes was a carnal man like a schoolboy, wanting to be first, but he was now an adult. And adults, we have a way of sophisticating it and hiding it and cloaking it in principles and in other things. And we, Diotrephes was in charge of the church. And you know, James, not John, this is John, but James wrote in his letter called James, just called James, we only have one of his writings. James said that where there is selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. So many times the discord in a church or a family or a job place 
is because that person, it's not really the things they have disorder about, it's because that person is always trying to be first, and they'll almost do anything to be on top. A positive example of someone not trying to be first, you can think of a lot, but I, I think of David Robinson. Remember him? Those of you that know about basketball, big tall guy, the general, they called him, for the Spurs. Remember when the Spurs picked up Tim Duncan in the draft? And they brought Tim on, and David was probably 10 years in the league. And, and David is from San Antonio, and he's a, he's a Christian man. He even does some teaching and preaching in a church. And uh, when they brought Tim Duncan on, it was obvious what they were saying. There's a new big tall guy, and he's going to replace David. And they played together one or, what, one or two, maybe three years. But David's stats, his personal stats, besides assists, immediately went down. And they were, they were champions those years with those two guys. And David said, my role is to help you succeed and teach you how to play in this league. And he did that in practice and in the game. Now, it wasn't long ago, about a year and a half ago, a pastor sent his son down to Texas. Actually, his son just came down to follow a job. And he got a, a lower level in the beginner's league of the, the basketball. What's that called? That, that developmental league. And we have the Toros. And he got a job with the Toros uh, helping them. Uh, he's a manager type uh, guy. He'd love to play basketball but for them, but he wasn't that good. But his dad told me, the pastor dad told me, the organization from top to bottom for the San Antonio Spurs is like David Robinson. That they, are, they, they have as a mantra at work about putting other people first and getting over yourself. And they once asked Pete, the, the coach, uh, they asked him, uh, how these, such these great players learn to play together. And he goes, oh, they got over themselves a long time ago. If they don't, we get rid of them. Now, we're not going to get rid of you. But we want you to get over yourself now. So does John. Don't be a Diotrephes. And if, and if anything in your life is filling you with anxiety because you feel like you're getting slighted, you're probably trying to be first. It's time to put others first because that's what Christ did. Washing feet, remember? And teaching us to do that. So the second thing, he not only wanted to be first, but in trying to remain first, he didn't like it that there was a big dog named John. See, people that want to be the big dog don't like another big dog in town. And so John was trying to influence the church for Jesus Christ and for Diotrephes, it wasn't about the message. John taught that Jesus came to save us. Diotrephes probably taught that Jesus was one of those mystics, like the Gnostics in the area. And, and John says, but his real problem isn't what he teaches. It's that he always wants to be first. So this is what he does. Let's go to the next slide. So when I come, I'll call attention to what he's doing. He's spreading malicious nonsense about us. I mentioned James a minute ago. James also said, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He said, only God can do that. We all have a tongue. And we all have a phone. And we all are capable of spreading the wrong stuff. The truth for the wrong motive or something that's an exaggeration or only our hand-picked part in order to hurt somebody else's reputation. There's not a person in this room who hasn't used their tongue as a restless evil and a deadly poison. We're all guilty. 
But what we're hearing John say today is, he will call Diotrephes out for it because this is not just a little sin. You know, we tend to put, the big, what are the big sins in our mind? Murder, adultery, theft. Those are all in the big ten, the Ten Commandments. Guess what else is? Using your tongue to cause evil about another person. It's, it's so important to God. It's one of the big ten. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. What did, uh, what did uh, Luther say about that? Any of you remember? I'll try to say it. It won't be exactly right. So maybe that will comfort you if you don't remember it exactly right. He, should, he said, we should not bear false witness against our neighbor. What, what does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not lie about our neighbor but, what, speak well of him and take his words and actions in the kindest possible way. When we hear God speak this way as one of the big ten, when we hear John say, this guy Diotrephes is destroying us and our message of Jesus is going begging because of it and I'm going to call him to account in front of everybody, it should make us sit up and say, I have got to watch my tongue, but I can't do it without God's help. God loves to help anyone who will beg for the help to be more positive and encouraging and use their tongue only for good. I do have one small recommendation. Um, it's a secular book, but I think in the, in the battle to... to uh, speak well of and, and to build up people instead of tear them down, that it'd be a great read for anybody. It's a very fast read. It's called How Full Is Your Bucket? Have you ever read it? It's a really good book. You can get it on Amazon pretty cheap. But it, it's, 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 uh, it's about using your, mostly your tongue and your emails and your texts to build people up and not tear them down. And the neat thing he points out this is written by a psychologist and his grandson psychologist. Uh, the neat thing about building others up instead of tearing them down is that when you do build somebody else up, emotionally you fill up your own bucket too. Because you confirm, and, and, and the scriptures say this in the Proverbs, that a, a wise man is pleased by his, the own, his own words, please his own soul, because he knows that they're in line with God's will. So you, you actually fill their bucket of their heart, and you fill your own bucket too. That's the opposite of a diatrophies. Diatrophies is destructive, and God is telling us today, no, I want you to be constructive in every setting. Uh, let's go to the next one. Diatrophies was a very controlling person. He wasn't satisfied with that. In other words, he wasn't satisfied just to be able to speak against John, but he also went into action. John was sending missionaries out from him. He was trying to spread the gospel. And Diotrephes tried to, to stop them. And he didn't want anybody else helping them either. Now these missionaries were on journeys. They'd go to a place, do a lot of teaching. They didn't worry about building a house or having a place to stay. They depended on believers that were there to house them so they could focus only on their mission work. Diotrephes wouldn't let them. If they came from John... He didn't care that what, you know, he remember, he wasn't really about the message, although his work was against the gospel. He was just against them because they came from John. Here's, here's the verse. Read it with me. Not satisfied with that, 
He even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So let's flip it upside down. If that's the negative example, what's the positive? To see yourself as a missionary supporter and a supporter of all other believers, because whether they're a missionary or not, they're a believer. And they, the blood of Christ is running through their lives just like it's running through yours. So you see them as family. You are my brothers and sisters. And I'm just going to confirm that you're already, you're already doing that. If you, by faith, give an offering at this church, you're enabling me not to go find another kind of job so I can preach and teach. When I finish here today, um, I'll be giving a devotion at the, the voters meeting. I'll be going to see someone in the hospital. I'll be back at our church tonight. But I otherwise would have to be out looking for other work to support my family if you didn't help me as a believer do the Lord's work. Same for your pastor, Darren, and all other staff in a church. When we have a mission trip, we take a bunch of youth group, our youth group, a bunch of kids out to Arizona. We stop in El Paso. For over 20 years, we've slept for free in a church in El Paso. They let us do that. And they have to kind of put up with it a little bit because we have to get up early and get all the things resituated for the little church to have church that morning as we get on and we stay there and worship and then go on our way. They help us as other believers. They get nothing for it. They spend a little money on it. And we go on our way and do our mission work. When we have little teams come here to do outreach, we want them to stay in our homes. A, because it changes us and them together and we find new friends. B, because it makes it cheaper to do the Lord's work because we're supporting them. So when we ask, is there anyone that could house these, these adults or these teens that come? Think about what John said to, to Gaius. Welcome believers who are doing something for the Lord and support them in that way. Be a given to hospitality and share. When Harvey and Irma, that unholy couple, hit the coasts of the United States this year, in our own little church body, I know that J.J. Uh, Watts got a lot of attention for $32 million raised, you know, he raised $32 million, but we raised over a million dollars in our church body. And, and long after those storms are gone, right now the wheels are grinding that we're going to have a team on the island of Puerto Rico helping the believers and helping them help the other people that are maybe not even believers around them because that island it has places that were so devastated. That's helping other believers. We're all a part of that. That's good stuff. That's what it means to follow Christ. It means not to try to be first, not to maliciously talk about others, but instead use constructive language. And it means to help other believers because they're blood-bought souls like we are. The, the fourth one is to imitate what is good. And I made it imitate Christ because he is the ultimate good. Let's read this. Now he's talking directly to Gaius. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. You know, they, they used to say, if a man opens a car door for his woman that's with him, one of the two is new. The car or the woman. Because it's really easy, Jardian, to put on a good one for a few dates, right? To win your wife's love over, to get her to marry you. But then it gets a little tired and older. Um, 
what, what he's saying here is good will reveal itself by being there consistently. Not perfectly, but consistently. You can see it. It's not just a show to exploit someone to get what you want from them. It's actually something you can watch and you can see it. And he says to Gaius, I'm not going to give you a rule book on all the rights and wrongs. This is a little bitty letter. He says, I'm just going to give you one thing. Watch for someone who's living a good life and imitate them. Because imitation is the highest, it's one of the highest forms of honor, but it's also one of the easiest things to do. There's things that I do right now because my father and mother modeled it for me, and it's easier. The things they did not model for me are harder for me and you. You're the same way. Uh, there was a man, a young man, now he's in his mid-40s. When I was uh, an intern down in Houston, his name is Chris. And uh, he was just getting married, and he said to our pastor there, I was an intern, he said, I, I didn't have a really solid father. And he said, I'm really scared about being a husband and a father because I'm not sure how to do it right because I feel like my dad just was kind of absent. And this is what our pastor told him, and I've never forgot it, and it's like what John told Gaius. He said, pick out one or two men in our congregation that you see are, are working hard at being a very good husband and a father and watch them. And ask them to go to breakfast and, and ask them what's, you know, how, why they do what they do and how they do it. And he said, be, be, let them be mentors in your life, but pick them out and watch them. That's what John's saying. So I'm saying to you, who do you know? Who do you know that you can watch? When you need it. Be deliberate. Listen to that advice from John to Gaius. God's telling you that in his word today. Pick someone out. Pick several out. And watch them and imitate them. And I'm going to tell you. If you don't pick them out volitionally. You will pick them out accidentally. And sometimes you'll pick wrong. You'll just follow whoever's around. Because we all tend to follow somebody. Right? And you're in a Bible believing church that's talking about following Christ and he's giving you some living examples of people who are following Christ with you and so pick them out and be deliberate and, and, and watch and learn and then the last thing he mentions, John mentions the guy carrying the letter as someone that Gaius could choose it's kind of coming full circle he says Demetrius is a really Good example. So let's read this together. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. He's, John is not going to be there with Gaius when he gets this letter, but Demetrius will be. And John was very selective. He didn't just pick a guy to carry the letter. He didn't just hire somebody to be a mailman. He actually picked a spiritual leader who would come to that group. Even though that other guy, Diotrephes, is trying to keep people like Demetrius away, he says, Demetrius, guys, is someone you can trust. He's in line with the truth. He, he lives the gospel. And he said, we are telling his apostles that he lives the truth. And he's spoken well of by other believers. And here's what I see that we could pull out of that. Good Christian living will earn a person a good reputation 
in the eyes of other believers. It's just true. And we're all trying to find our way. And there's a lot of negativity around us. And there's not a person in here who doesn't have somebody who'll say something negative about them. (laughs) I mean, we all do. I do. But good character will rise above that and there will be believers who will speak well of them. And you keep your head, you open your mind to listening to the body of Christ about people. And you ask, if there's somebody you need to have dealings with and you're not sure about trusting them, you ask other believers that know them well. That's what John was doing. It's okay to do that. Ask somebody you know will be honest and loving and fair about that person. And then flip it upside down. If you know someone is criticizing you and gossiping about you and saying things and undermining you and you're worried and you're getting anxious, you just keep living the godly life that God has taught you to live. And He'll make sure that He'll raise up people who will speak in your behalf and you'll still be able to live your life and you don't have to get all upset and get reactionary about their gossip. You just live the good life that Christ leads you to live. And you know what will happen? Your reputation will weather the storm of that wagging tongue. Because you're just doing what's right. And you're following Jesus. And Jesus will take care of it. There's lots of examples. Daniel was one of them. But we didn't go into that when Pastor was teaching you earlier. He had all these people against him, right? And they were trying to hurt his reputation. Joseph in the Old Testament is another one. David had a lot of people against him. Abraham. And yet God protected him. And Apostle Paul, the Apostle John. Be a Demetrius. Now I started off today by saying, five minutes after you die, nothing you've accomplished in this life will be good for you, will it? But I left something out. Five hundred years after you die, as well as five minutes and everything in between, how you lived your life on this earth will be good for those who are still here. You're not here to exploit the earth like it's heaven, because heaven is a gift and it's yours, right? But you're here to follow Jesus so other people Have your life as a testimony to help them. I have lost both my parents and 20 plus very mature Christians that could speak into my soul and see into it and who lived very godly lives. They're all gone to heaven. But they're not gone from my mind or my heart. And there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about what they would do or what they would say or what they did do or what they did say. They are living. Their lives are still living in me. And you have them too. So here's the deal. You be that for those who come behind you. So that the memory they will always have of you will be like a John and a Demetrius and a Gaius. Make your life count.
for everybody else. And you'll be like Christ. Following him. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us this little book that some would say is insignificant, but we know it has its own significance, and you would never have it in your Bible if it was unimportant. Help us to remember one or two or three of these things, at least this week, that we can change and alter our course a little bit in the harbor so that our life will end up in a much better place. Help us to love people, to stop wagging our tongues, to not try to be first, and help us to look for people that can be a good examples for us. More importantly, thank you that we can do all of this and think about all of this without worry about our, our own status before you because you've already won that for us in your son. We will follow him, but we will never be him, and we're glad we don't have to be. Thank you, Jesus and Father and Holy Spirit, for doing this for us. Amen.